Taking a break from TikTok had any effect on you? Um, yeah, I think since taking a break, I've noticed a significant improvement in my web. Help, like desperate help. And you're in the city. You expect help, right? Guess what? It probably won't come. The bystander effect. This was some really big cultural thing because I basically switched from my very Swiss morning muesli to eating rice three times a day. Herzlich willkommen zum Gimoberville Podcast, der euch einen Einblick in das vielfältige Leben unserer Schule gibt. Ich bin Antonino Arcuri. Und ich bin Martin im Boden. Gemeinsam leiten wir diesen Podcast. Schön, Schön sind ihr dabei. In dieser und in der nächsten Folge senden wir Podcasts aus einem Englischprojekt der Klasse 3i. In der ersten Folge hören Sie Beiträge zu TikTok zum Bystander-Effekt und zum Thema Culture Shock. The Daily Dose, Mind over Matter. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to today's newest episode of The Daily Dose, Mind over Matter. I'm your host Nadej and I am delighted to be taking you with me today as we try to break down the question of whether or not TikTok, the popular social media platform, has brainwashed today's youth. Now, I know brainwashing sounds a bit extreme, but let's simplify a bit. What does brainwashing actually mean? Well, simply put, brainwashing is the process of attempting to change somebody's beliefs or their attitudes through repetitive and systematic persuasion. This is often done through the use of propaganda or other manipulative techniques. Brainwashing is a term that's been used to describe everything from cults to political campaigns. And it's definitely been the subject of much debate and scrutiny. But let's be real here. We've all been brainwashed by something at some point, whether it's a catchy jingle or a particularly persuasive advertisement. Now, let's get into why I think TikTok actually has brainwashed today's youth. One argument is that the platform is specifically designed to be addictive. I mean, have you ever opened TikTok? It's practically an endless scroll of short-form videos and constant notifications. It's so easy to get caught up in the endless scroll, losing track of time and becoming more and more invested in the content. This constant stream of stimuli can be especially appealing to younger users, which is why I think that the youth is especially affected by this new app. In fact, some research has suggested that the use of TikTok can lead to shortened attention spans. That's because users become accustomed to rapidly switching between different pieces of content. I mean, have you ever tried to pull yourself away from TikTok? It's like trying to pry a toddler's hand away from a shiny object. Another big argument is that TikTok promotes a certain type of content, 
and it therefore encourages users to conform to certain trends and behaviors. The algorithm is designed to show users content which they are most likely to engage with, which is obviously a marketing strategy from TikTok's side. However, it becomes problematic when this creates echo chambers and limits exposures to diverse perspectives. This can lead to a very narrow view of the world and the reinforcement of pre-existing beliefs. On top of that, TikTok has faced criticism for its role in the spread of misinformation and conspiracy theories, which can even further distort users' perceptions of reality. It's like, you know how when you start watching a show on Netflix, and then all of a sudden all the recommendations are for similar shows? Well, TikTok is kind of like that, but for your entire life. To get some more insight on this highly interesting topic, I asked my friend Ursula to join me. Hello. So Ursula, you were on TikTok for a while and you stopped using it, is that correct? Yeah. So can you describe your experience using TikTok before you took a break from the platform? Yeah, so before I deleted the app, um, I was a very active user. I used to go on the app pretty much daily and just, I enjoyed scrolling the like through my feed and like watching all the videos. Um, yeah, until I realized that it was quite harmful. So what exactly was it that motivated you to take a break from TikTok? Well, I decided to take a break because I realized that I became a bit too reliant on the app and it was starting to negatively impact my mental health. Um, I feel like my um, attention span worsened and also um, I, my self-esteem was suffering as a result of me comparing myself to others. And yeah, I think I was just neglecting some activities instead of, um, you know, taking care of them. I, I was watching videos. Mm -hmm. And do you think that taking a break from TikTok had any effect on you? Um, yeah, I think since taking a break, I've noticed a significant improvement in my well-being. I feel like um, just in general, my attention span is better. I'm comparing myself less and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's improved. So coming to a conclusion, is TikTok really brainwashing today's youth? Well, it's a complicated question, and it definitely does not have one simple answer. As you heard from Ursula, it is very easy to get caught up in the negative effects while scrolling on your For You page. However, what's very important to keep in mind is that it's not the creators of the app who are uploading this content. They're just the ones who are controlling exactly what ends up on your For You page. While the platform definitely does have some potentially manipulative elements, it's ultimately up to you to decide how exactly you want to use the app and what kind of content you want to engage with. And let's not forget, TikTok has also been a source of joy and entertainment for many people. So it's definitely not all bad. And that is all, folks, for today's episode of The Daily Dose, Mind Over Matter. I hope you enjoyed.
Imagine you're in need of help, like desperate help, and you're in the city. You expect help, right? Guess what? It probably won't come. The bystander effect. I'm Sebastian, and I'm joined here with my brother. Hello, so I'm going to ask you a few questions about a very interesting psychological effect. So, have you ever heard of the bystander effect? No, I haven't. So, before I explain it to you, let me give you a situation to interpret. So, say you're in the city, it's the evening, and you see someone who is ill sitting on the floor, not looking well. What would you do in said situation? If there's nobody around, then I'd either help myself or find somebody who's more able to help. Say it was still relatively busy and there were plenty of people around that could help. What would you do in that situation? Probably walk by. Okay, so that is the main thing. That is the bystander effect. Now, this is an effect that I've experienced personally in a case that a couple years ago I was sick and I was in need of help because I wasn't feeling well on the side of the road and everyone walked by in the middle of the day because they didn't feel the need to help me. So this is the bystander effect. It is a situation where people have a feeling where they're like, maybe this is not necessarily my opinion or I shouldn't help this person because either they're too busy or they're going to get help from another person. That is the bystander effect. So. If I put it in simple terms, the more people there are around, the less likely there is that that person is going to get help. So, like I said, I've been in this situation and the concept was first discovered in 1980s by two psychologists by the name of Lanthony and Darley, a Frenchman and an American. So they based this off a situation that happened in the past where... There was a woman who worked as a bartender in New York, came home one evening and well, she got murdered, stabbed and raped in the street in New York. This was the evening, so there weren't that many people around on the street. However, she was near her apartment. All the people there saw what happened. However, no one called the police because everyone else thought that, well, maybe I shouldn't help this. They're going to get help from so another person another person will call the police and this chain kept on going on until well, no one eventually called the police or they they did call them however it was 30 minutes too late and she was already dead on her doorsteps now knowing a bit what the bystander effect is now how do you think a person could contradict this effect if they are in the situation where they need help uh, they could probably make a scene or shout out or uh something along those lines now so that could actually work however one of the main reasons why people always walk by is because they don't feel a connection to said person and they don't feel the need i have to help this person because one there are plenty of things that prove the bystander effect like that prove why it's because either people are too busy they don't have a personal connection they feel like it's not the social norm to help said person. Like you said, in the situation, if there's lots of people around, they all walk by because all of them are like in this social construct of, well, life, put it that way. And then there's one outlier who has to go outside of the social norm to actually help said person. So now knowing what the bystander effect is, do you now have a situation or an idea from either personal experiences or media where you've ex seen the bystander effect in effect? 
I can't say personally that it's happened to me, but I've definitely noticed that it's prevalent in media and movies and the like. So yeah, this actually happens all the time. Because even in, let's say, Basel, there are people who have had a bit too much to drink and are unhealthy somewhere on the side of the road. And everyone will walk by for some reason because... They're either they're too busy, they don't want to speak out the social, or all the things I've mentioned before. So yeah, that's the bystander effect. So now that I've explained all of this to you, do you th- understand the bystander effect more clearly? Yeah, and I think it's very interesting. Okay, so yeah, that's the same idea that I went off of. It's a really interesting concept, and it directly contradicts nature, because in nature, it's stated safety in numbers, which, if you're in the city, that is not the case. Safety would be in the less people around you because then there's a more likelihood that you get help. Hello everyone and welcome to 5-Minute Culture Shock. On today's episode, I will be discussing the difference between living in a country as a resident or just being there as a tourist. To gain deeper insights on this topic, I have my sister here with me today. She has visited Japan multiple times and has also lived there for a year as part of an exchange. First of all, hello Yasmin. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing fine. Thank you for asking. Perfect. I'm glad to hear that. Now, let's get right into it. I'm assuming before your exchange year, you informed yourself quite thoroughly on the country and its customs, and you even visited it. Were there still any big surprises for you, or was it just like you always thought it would be? I don't think there were any really big cultural shocks, so to say, because I really read a lot before I went there, just because this is very much of my nature. I like to be prepared wherever I go. So I was aware of a lot of the cultural things and also about social norms and stuff. And a lot of people asked me if I didn't really struggle with the food. They thought this was some really big cultural thing because I basically switched from my very Swiss morning muesli to eating rice three times a day. But as I anticipated this, I did not really find it so shocking or surprising and I quite like rice. What was a bit of a problem, or a bit of a bigger problem to be honest, was that I did not expect them to barely heat in winter. And also going there as a tourist before did not really prepare me for that, because I went in February and it was really cold outside, but I lived in an apartment, I could heat as much as I wanted, and I did not expect my host family and my school and everyone to barely heat in winter. That was really something I struggled with. It seems like you were quite well prepared for your journey, but I do see how not heating in winter could be quite a problem. Now, as you have already said, when you were living in Japan as a visitor, you were living in your own apartment. And on your exchange year, you were living with your host family. What other differences were there in your day-to-day life? There definitely were differences in how I lived my life because as a tourist you want to see all these locations you go to the temples and shrines and shopping miles and it's super impressive and you have this full 
schedule and this plan where you want to go and staying there for a longer period working there or as in my case studying there you very soon had this routine getting up at six in the morning then having breakfast putting on my school uniform etc etc and maybe one of the main differences apart from this routine thing was that you got to interact a lot more with the actual Japanese people living there for a longer time compared to going there as a tourist. At the end, you mentioned the people of Japan. Do you notice any difference there? For example, in how they treated you? The main difference I realized in people was due to the fact that I was at different locations. Because being at these tourist hotspots, People are used to seeing you and they don't pay much attention. Well, if you are more in the countryside, foreigners are a rare thing to come by. And I realized this, I was stayed at a lot in the beginning. And maybe one thing that really stayed in my mind from that time was after being there for a couple of months, I was on my way home in the train and I was looking at two people and I thought something was off about them. And it took me legit about a minute to realize that the thing that was off about these people was that they were not Japanese. So I myself had actually gotten unused to seeing non-Japanese faces there. That is quite an impressive story and really shows how different the culture is. In conclusion, I would say that a longer stay can be very beneficial, especially if it is a country with customs that are very different from ours, such as Japan, since it gives you a deeper insight on the people and also shows you different sides of a country that you normally wouldn't get to see. As you said, in the big cities you weren't really stared at, but as soon as you came to the countryside, you really were. There is also obviously the benefit of learning a new language and just deepening the understanding of a different culture, which, in my opinion, can only be beneficial. That was already it for today's episode of 5-Minute Culture Shock, and I thank you for listening. Tune in again next week for more interesting topics. werden wir wichtige Links sowie Informationen zum aktuellen Podcast finden. Teilt bitte diesen Podcast und abonniert ihn, damit ihr keine Sendung verpasst. Ihr findet uns überall, wo es Podcasts gibt, zum Beispiel unter Apple Podcast oder Spotify. Hinterlasst uns eine Audionachricht via speakpipe.com slash Podcast. Den Link findet ihr in den Shownotes. Wir würden uns auf eure Meinung freuen. Viel Spaß beim Hören der nächsten Folge.